Welcome, thou faithful remnant, to this service of worship at Prairie Street Mennonite Church. In many churches around the world, today is Christ the King Sunday. It's the last Sunday in the church's year. Next Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent when we begin looking forward in hope to the coming of Jesus. But this Sunday, we celebrate the risen Christ who reigns as King and we give thanks. Kyle will lead us in our first song this morning. Ellie Kreider is sick today, and Carolyn Smith is on call. So we're going to be changing some of the hymns to work with the instrumentation that we have. So for our first hymn, let's turn on the blue folder, the blue Prairie Street Sings folder. Number five, Come All You People. Number five in blue folder. From Psalm 96. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord is king. The world is firmly established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Join me in prayer. <clears throat> we do ascribe to you glory and strength and honor, O Lord. We have come to worship you here today in this service. Receive our praise, empower us through your Holy Spirit, and lead us in truth. In Jesus Christ we pray, amen. We continue to sing. This one is as printed in the bulletin, number 288 in the blue hymnal. 288, Rejoice, the Lord is King. And those who are able, please stand. Thank you. 
We're not going to sing the insert. So if you could please take that out and leave it on the pew, we'll save it for another time. We can save paper. The mountain of God, we'll sing that another time. So now we will sing green, sing the journey number 29. You are all we have. Green, sing the journey number 29. Confession is a regular part of our worship in this congregation. We often confess our sins before the Lord, but we also confess our faith. In 2006, the Mennonite World Conference uh, produced a statement of shared convictions. And the text of that is an insert in your bulletin. So if you would take this out. On one side is English, on the other side is Spanish. We'll read together in whichever of these two languages you are most comfortable with. I will read the light print and then we will read together aloud the dark print, the numbered paragraphs. By the grace of God, we seek to live and proclaim the good news of reconciliation in Jesus Christ. As part of the one body of Christ at all times and places, we hold the following to be central to our belief and practice. God is known to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit the creator who seeks to restore fallen humanity by calling a people to be faithful in fellowship, worship, service, and witness. Jesus is the Son of God. Through his life and teachings, his cross and resurrection, he showed us how to be faithful disciples, redeemed the world, and offers eternal life. As a church, we are a community of those whom God's Spirit calls to turn from sin, acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord, receive baptism upon confession of faith, and follow Christ in life. As a faith community, we accept the Bible as our authority for faith and life, interpreting it together under the Holy Spirit guidance in the light of Jesus Christ to discern God's will for our obedience. The Spirit of Jesus empowers us to trust God in all areas of life, so we become peacemakers who renounce violence, love our enemies, seek justice, and share our possessions with those in need. We gather regularly to worship, to celebrate the Lord's Supper, and to hear the word of God in a spirit of mutual accountability. As a worldwide community of faith and life, we transcend boundaries of nationality, race, class, gender, and language. <clears throat> 
We seek to live in the world without conforming to the powers of evil, witnessing to God's grace by serving others, caring for creation, and inviting all people to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. In these convictions, we draw inspiration from Anabaptist forebears of the 16th century who modeled radical discipleship to Jesus Christ, and we seek to walk in his name by the power of the Holy Spirit as we confidently await Christ's return and the final judgment fulfillment of God's kingdom. Amen. Sisters and brothers, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and let us share Christ's peace with the world and with each other. The peace of Christ be with you. And the children can come forward for children's time. Use a few more children. Anybody want to be a child for, you know, a few minutes? Okay, let's pass the basket around and share what we have with other people who need help. Yes. I'm going to tell you a story from the book of Luke. Luke is in the New Testament, and this um, story comes from chapter 17 in Luke. Luke is full of amazing stories about Jesus. Yes? Um, is there one about how he healed a blind man? There is a story in there like that. Good thinking. This story is about Jesus and lepers. You need to know what a leper is. A leper is a person who was really, really sick with leprosy. Yes? Um, I thought there were animals. Well, there are not any animals in this story. Um, leprosy in those days meant that you were very sick, and you would get sicker and sicker and sicker until you finally died and there was no way of stopping that sickness. So they were not allowed to be in with their families anymore or in their villages or their cities because if they would even touch somebody else, that person would get sick too. So they lived way away from all the people. Not only were they really, really sick, but they were also called unclean because um, in Jewish life, um, there are rules about what and who are clean and what is unclean. And in fact, the people who were lepers, if people started coming close to them, they would have to yell, unclean, unclean, so that they would stay away and stay safe. So this is a story about Jesus and lepers. Not leopards. Not leopards. <laughs> lepers. And here's Jesus. And Jesus is on his way, walking from Samaria all the way to Galilee. I'm going to have to scoot his road back a little bit. So there's room for the lepers. Great. So Jesus was walking, and he was getting close to a city, a little village maybe. And 
there was a group of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, oops, nine, ten. Yes, this one is so sick, it lost his arm already. So the, the group of lepers came sort of closer to Jesus, but still staying away far enough. And instead of saying unclean, unclean, they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Please hear us and help us. And Jesus saw them. Can you see the, how many lepers we have? Um, yes. I thought a leopard was an animal. <laughs> Yes, a leopard is an animal. It has a duh sound on the end, but we have lepers. Okay. Um, so Jesus saw these lepers as they were coming closer, and he said, turn around, go show yourself to the priest. Now, the priest was the person in Jewish life that helped keep the rules straight between what was clean and what was unclean. And so that person, that priest, would allow them or not to go home. So they turned around. They were very excited about racing off to the priest, thinking maybe we'll get to go home. Wouldn't that be great? And as they were, as they were walking, they looked at themselves, and they weren't sick anymore. They were healed, and they were so excited. There was one person who was so excited, he started praising God with a loud voice. Praise God. And then he walked over to Jesus, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, and he said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for healing me. And Jesus said, well, what about all the others? There were nine people, other people, who were healed. Why aren't they here? And even this is a Samaritan. Now, what we know in the Bible about Samaritans was um, that they were hated by the Jews. Wait, what? Yeah, they were hated. And not only were they hated, but they were treated like they weren't as good as Jews. Yes. Um, so, so they just, so they just, so they just went far away in the desert? Well, I'm not sure if it was in a desert, but they went far away to talk to the priest. And so that the Samaritan who was here was the only one who came back to Jesus and thanked Jesus for healing him. And Jesus said, Get up and go home. Your faith has made you well. And that's the end of our story. Let's pray. We thank you, dear God, for this story that reminds us of all that we have to be thankful for. We ask that you bless each person here and help them remember the things that they are thankful for. And thank you for providing all that we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Thanks, all of you kids. Our scriptures today come first from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 26, verses 1 through 3 and 10 and 11. 
when you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, Today I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. La escritura de hoy, el libro de Deuteronomio, uh, capítulo 26, versículo del 1 al 3 y 10 y 11. Uh, cuando hayas entrado en la tierra que el Señor tu Dios te da en posesión y le hayas tomado y habites en ella, tomarás una parte de todos los primeros frutos que obtengas de la tierra que el Señor tu Dios te da, la pondrás en una canasta y te dirigirás al lugar que el Señor tu Dios escoja como residencia de su nombre. Te presentarás ante el sacerdote que en esos días esté en funciones y le dirás, hoy declaro ante el Señor tu Dios que he entrado en la tierra que el Señor juró dar a nuestros padres. Por eso ahora vengo aquí con los primeros frutos de la tierra que tú, Señor, me has dado. Todo esto lo pondrás delante del Señor tu Dios y delante de Él te postrarás. Después de eso, tú y tu familia y los levitas y extranjeros que convivan contigo harán fiesta por todo el bien que el Señor, tu Dios, te haya dado. So now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. You shall set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. Then you, together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. And from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which passes, surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Regocíjense en el Señor siempre y otra vez les digo, regocíjense que la gentileza de ustedes sea conocida de todos los hombres. El Señor está cerca. No se preocupen por nada. Que sus peticiones sean conocidas delante de Dios en toda oración y ruego con acción de gracias y que la paz de Dios que sobrepasa sobre entendimiento guarde sus corazones y sus pensamientos en Cristo Jesús por lo demás hermanos piensen en todo lo que es verdadero en todo lo honesto en todo lo justo, en todo lo puro, en todo lo amable, en todo lo que es digno de alabanza. Si hay en ello alguna virtud, si hay algo que admirar, piensen en ello. 
lo que ustedes aprendieron y recibieron de mí y de lo que mí me vieron, oyeron, póngalo por obra y el Dios de paz estará con ustedes. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. The word of the Lord. Thanks to be God. La palabra del Señor. Gracias a Dios. Our preacher this morning is our pastor, Carolyn Hunt, and we pray for her. God, we pray that you would be with Carolyn as she preaches. Give her the words to say that are true and give us hearts to understand and follow. In Jesus' name. This sermon is the fourth in our series on stewardship, uh, caring for all that God has given to us in the context of Christian community. Um, but it, it's not just chance that it's happening around the time that we have our civic holiday observance of Thanksgiving. Now, most every culture and, and most faith traditions include practices of gratitude and thanksgiving. So what is distinctive about Christians giving thanks? And do we really need to do it every week? You know, the, the, topic, I was, the topic I was given is the, this weekly practice of thanksgiving. Is this something we really need to do each time we worship? How is the money that we put in the offering plate related to the action of washing each other's feet, which we'll do later in this service, and why the heck do followers of Jesus do both of these things? Um, I can't promise I'll answer all of them, but those are some of the questions I started with thinking about this. Um, I have a question for you first. Who here is on social media, at least Facebook? And don't be shy, because I know that even some of our members in their 90s use Facebook regularly. Okay. Um, several of my friends, and these are in real life actual friends, observe November as 30 days of gratitude. So have you seen that on your social media? People like put a picture every day um, or a couple of sentences. Um, they hashtag it, thankful. Um, they write about a person or a situation for which they're grateful. And I find that to be a really helpful spiritual practice. I don't do it myself, um, sadly, but it, I like reading it from other people because it's really easy to be ungrateful, focusing on what we don't have or envying what others have, especially um, in a, a, a setting like social media where sometimes you just see the good stuff, and overlooking what we do have. So cultivating the habit of being grateful is good for us and it's good for those around us, but I think there's a big difference between gratitude and thanksgiving. Gratitude is primarily an internal emotion, um, a, a, calling, a calling to mind the blessings that we've been given. And it doesn't take place purely in the present because we're always looking back. We're, we're, every, of those, every one of those things we're grateful for is, is a result of God's continual faithfulness to us. So there's always an aspect of history and God's big story but you can feel grateful just sitting by yourself, right? You can just sit there. If there's any movement of, of emotional energy present in gratitude, it's vertical. It's kind of, you, you're being grateful to God. God, the giver of all things and the creator of all. Gratitude is a noun. It can be experienced in stillness all by yourself. But Thanksgiving, by definition involves action and relationship. And I know that Thanksgiving can be a noun, so grammar nerds, you can leave me alone, I'm one of you. Um, 
you know, it, it, it can be a type of prayer or it could be the holiday Thanksgiving. But even in its noun form, there's a verb in the middle of it, giving. And Thanksgiving requires a giver and a recipient. So this is a relational thing. This is a horizontal expression. It's between human beings or among human beings. It's a giving of ourselves and our resources in a way that is going to materially, physically bless other people who are here on earth. And that might be in faraway places, or it could be in Elkhart, or it could be someone that is sitting right here with us in the pews. Sharing the fruits of our labor is obedient to God. It's a valid and necessary form of worship described in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And what we read from Deuteronomy today, um, I love reading this because it, it's, it's talking about a physical taking of produce into the place of worship. And that's not something we do very often. Usually if there's like vegetables up here, they're just decorative, right? You know, like we don't often bring um, the fruit of the vine and the work of human hands in a container, like it says in Deuteronomy. We're going to put it in a basket and we're going to carry it in and we're going to to thank God for it and worship by giving what we have grown to God. And in Deuteronomy, we only read a little bit of it, but there, these are like little, uh, it's like a little worship structure that's being given both at the beginning of when you first start to harvest, like when you are first picking the first tomatoes in, in the summer, but also later at regular intervals, there was an idea that about every three months you were going to do this again. And I got the feeling from reading that the person carrying the basket might still have dirt under their fingernails. Like they, they went and they dug it, they dug the potatoes that morning or whatever. Um, they're the person that planted the seed and watered it and, and grew it. Knowing that God created all the things to do it, yes, but it's this person's labor. Um, according to Jewish tradition, one source I read said that first fruits offerings were made of seven species native to the land. Wheat, barley, grapes, figs, pomegranates, olives, and dates. And that is really specific. Um, and it's pretty far from our experience. That's very far removed from, like maybe, maybe some of us have a recurring monthly electronic debit from our bank account into Prairie Street Mennonite Church's bank account. This is a whole different thing than bringing that work of your hands. But the purposes of our giving are the same. Um, it's not primarily to pay the bills for maintaining the, the temple or the church building. The reason for that giving is to meet the needs of those in our community. And it's that way when you read in the Old Testament, and it's that way when we read about it in the New Testament. So in uh, the context of Deuteronomy, offerings supported those who were landless. They, they, they couldn't own property or they didn't. Widows, orphans, um, it says resident aliens, but I think like people that have recently migrated or immigrated, um, and Levites. And these were people that by law, like they didn't have access to the, that means of, of growing food yet. They couldn't grow food, or they couldn't graze animals if they didn't have land. So even if all you had to eat was those seven things and maybe like whatever green weeds that you would forage, you would do okay, right? Like you would live. If that was your basic, if that's all you had, if you were a person that didn't have um, a, a obvious means of support, those temple offerings provided a basic level of sustenance for everyone in the community. But in societies that are less agricultural, like ours now, what would we bring in our baskets? Um, I was thinking about some of the professions represented in our community, like in Elkhart County, but also in our congregation. Some people make RV components, or they assemble vehicles or electronics. Uh, others in our congregation build things like the new apartment buildings over by the Martins on East Jackson. We've had congregation members that were working construction. Some people pour concrete for sidewalks. They're helping with infrastructure. Some of us rehab houses. Some of us are nurses. Some of us are teachers. Um, you know, for teachers, your work product is in the mind and hearts of your students. It's not really an object you can bring in a basket and lay here. 
So in, in all these cases, bringing into church the goods and products we make would really not help the widows and orphans. Um, those who have no indep independent means of support, you can't give electronic circuit boards for, to someone for them to eat. You can't pay someone's rent with the brake pads made at CTS. You can't clothe someone with a radio program or a book you've written. And that's why worship of God in the modern world always involves giving money. Even if we're someone who doesn't have a lot of money, Thanksgiving involves giving money. Think of the widow's mite. That's a, a story told both in Mark and Luke about the, the woman, what she had to give was those two very small coins that to other people, they wouldn't even bother to pick them up off the road. But for her, that was meaningful. She gave it and Jesus acknowledged it. Giving money is one of the marks of the first Christian communities. In Acts chapter four, um, some people who had lands and houses sold them. We're told that they voluntarily became landless or a little bit landless, converting their properties into money, which was laid at the feet of the apostles. Uh, laid just like you would take that basket of food and you would put it at the feet of the priest, um, or laid the way the leper laid at Jesus' feet. In Paul's letters to Christian communities like the one at Philippi, we read today, he talks about money a lot. Like he, he is writing to people, he might be thanking them for what they've given for his ministry or travel to another place. He might be asking for it. Um, so how can we look at those actions in scripture and those mentions of money and then translate those into what Christians do in our context. I think for some of us, it's admitting that we need to learn how to manage our money better. Uh, for example, my husband and I went for a few visits to a financial person at Everance who could help us look at our money and what we're doing with it. And that's something any of you can do too. And it didn't cost anything. Everance is a, a kind of, it's related to our church and there are people there that know what they're doing and they, they can advise. It helped us look at what we were earning and what we were saving and what we were giving. And there are also ways that you can learn about money and managing it in our community. You don't have to drive over to Everence and Goshen. There are agencies like La Casa and Church Community Services that have financial education as part of what they teach and you, you can call and it doesn't cost you much or anything and there are members of our church that have benefited from those things and like are on record, you know, with photographs and writings and La Casa's newsletter with how this helped them. Um, when you know how to plan for emergencies and how to plan, th then you're also knowing, like you can plan to have money to contribute to the needs of the saints, like we read in Romans. So financial planning isn't just for rich people for people that have a lot of money they could put in a basket. It's for all of God's people. Because at, at some point in our lives, we're all going to be the recipients of that generous giving. There's going to be some time that somebody else's money that was given is going, to, is going to meet a critical need for us. And then at other times, we'll be the givers and others will receive. But monetary giving, like it's right there. It's a, it's a necessary part of Christian worship. It's the part... It's part of the love that Christians show each other because we're caring for each other's bodily needs, food, clothing, and shelter, as if they were our own because we are each other's own. We are each other's own and we need to remind ourselves of this every Sunday. We are part of the same body, Jesus' body. Is giving money the only way to practice stewardship or thanksgiving? No. Not by any means. Because thanksgiving also involves that human connection. It's a relationship. It's giving and receiving. It's at least two ways. You know, maybe more. For some people, giving money is not hard to do. 
but sharing our life in common may be the greater challenge. And this too is necessary in stewarding and caring for all God has given us, because God has given us each other to be Jesus' body here. And we're a diverse congregation in many ways. The languages we speak and how recently our families migrated to the United States. We're diverse in the kinds of work we do and how much money we earn and the kind of food we eat and what we, what we do for fun, what we do with our money. Listening and learning and loving one another requires effort and proximity, like actually being near to each other. Um, last week, I asked you to move closer to each other in the pews to make singing easier, and it turns out that doesn't just help with singing. It also helps us be related um, because we, we hear or we overhear things that are going on in people's lives, conversations. When you are looking someone right in the eye and you ask, how are you, and they say, fine, you can see if that's not true. You can see if, you can know that that's not the whole story. And outside of worship, performing actions with our human bodies side by side that is how we come to know and love one another. Like taking a turn to make the coffee or the hot chocolate and keep the sugar bowl refilled. Packing school kits for Mennonite Central Committee. Moving chairs and tables week after week. That is an extremely valuable community building experience. And there's no shortage of ways, there's no shortage of, of occasions for us to do that. Washing dishes, like all of these things are things that you're going to have conversation and you're going to get to know each other. Teaching children in Sunday school, pulling weeds, uh, sitting around a campfire talking, or dancing out in the parking lot when there's a festival here and there's a DJ and there's mariachis. All of these actions are also stewardship. These actions are also contributing to the needs of the saints. Getting close together, um, in English, the idiom is rubbing elbows. I don't know what the idiom is in Spanish, but when we talk about rubbing elbows, that, that can be literal. That's key to caring for each other's needs, and not just, not just financial or knowing who needs food, but, also, but, but spiritual and emotional needs, that basic need of human connectedness. And here's the crazy thing. Um, this is not a multiple choice. Um, none of us gets a free pass, like an exemption for one or the other. Christians can't choose to only give money, because that's easy for us, or because we, we're sure that we don't have time, or we have more money than time. And we can't choose to only perform acts of service because we have more time than money. God calls and Jesus calls us to do both of those. Foot washing, this peculiar intimate act of service in Christian worship, is always accompanied by the giving of money for the needs of others. At least the way I've seen it practiced here and, and in other places, so I might be wrong about that. But when, when we exit this space and there's someone holding a basket and we're putting in our offering for mutual aid, that's where the funds come that help church members in emergencies, that mutual aid. That's from our own monetary giving. So following Jesus means we do both things. We share our money and we find ways to be of service to others even when it's hard. We're practically promised that it will be hard. And um, what I remembered the, uh, an image that came to mind thinking about this is like children getting growing pains. Um, who had Charlie horses in their calves when they were younger, they were growing up? Yeah, oh my goodness. Like your bones are growing so fast overnight that your, your muscles can't keep up and they're not long enough. And um, this is one thing I remember my dad doing for me. I would wake up in the night crying and being in pain and he would come in and he would knead those calves and he would kind of warm them up and maybe he squeezed it so hard he just forgot what the original pain was from. But, but I would feel better and I, I felt cared for and I could go back to sleep. And learning how to do these things that we, like whether, whether learning how to 
give more of our money or share more of our money or share more of our human self, like that, that's gonna be growing pains too. But God is with us and Jesus is present in our gathered community. And when, when we hurt or when we screw it up, you know, God's gonna be there to kind of help us with, you know, with that muscle and kind of make things feel better and calm us because the, the faithfulness of the Almighty bears us up in those growing pains. Rejoice in the Lord always, Paul writes. Again, I will say rejoice. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received. Keep on serving one another. Keep on sharing your money to to care for each other. Keep on doing the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. May it be so here at Prairie Street. Amen. Please turn in the blue Prairie Street Sings folder to number 6161. We rejoice to be God's chosen. Blue folder number 61. And those who are able, please stand. It is time for us to share our tithes and offerings. If you have no olives or dates or figs to bring, the ushers will collect your gifts of money. In the green, sing the journey, number 32, 32, green, sing the journey. If you believe and I believe.
Señor Dios Todopoderoso, te damos gracias en este día por tu gran misericordia. Gracias por ser quien eres, ser quien somos. God, we praise for uh, your mercy. Also, we pray for those who are on pain, for people who are in the hospital, for those who are in prison, for immigrants. We pray for the handicapped people, for the elders, the newborns, for the pregnant women. Also, we pray in special for our sister, Margaret. She uh, get a serious stroke. We pray for healing. We, we pray too for uh, this uh, congregation. Pray the Mennonite Church. Bless this place, God. Te pedimos en el nombre poderoso de tu Hijo amado Jesucristo. Amen. We praise this in uh, Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus, there are a lot of reasons for us to be grate-filled and um, joy-filled, grateful and joyful. Um, we can be grateful and joyful because Jesus is a friend. We can be grateful and joyful because Jesus is a savior. Um, and we can be grateful and joyful because Jesus teaches us to serve one another. Today, we are gonna practice that a little bit. Before Jesus uh, ate with his disciples the Passover, um, uh, I'm sorry, before the Passover, Jesus eats with his disciples. Um, but he does more than just eat with them. After he's done eating with them, he takes off his outer cloak, he wraps a towel around his waist, he pours water, and he washes the feet of his disciples. The disciples, especially Simon Peter, don't understand what he is doing. And so Jesus replies to them. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. So today we are going to proceed down to the fellowship hall to wash each other's feet. Part of what we're doing is we are practicing serving each other, and part of what we are doing is we are giving. This is a mutual aid request form. When you give today, down, when you give your money down at the mutual, when we're washing feet, there will be a basket down there. Um, you will be giving to this. And basically, when someone in the congregation needs financial assistance, whether it's paying a bill, whether it's getting some work done on their car, whether it's, I mean, I don't know, what are some of the other things? Maybe, maybe getting a bike replaced that was stolen or a bike tire fixed. People need financial help that, that's difficult for them to do. So we step in and we help. 
What they do is they go down, you go out here and down the stairs, there's a wall on this side of the church and it has all of our mailboxes. On the right side of the mailboxes, there's um, a mailbox named elders and in the elders mailbox, there's a mutual aid sheet. You fill this out, you give it to one of the elders, Leo who just prayed as an elder, I'm an elder, you give it to Pastor Carolyn or Pastor Steve um, or Quinn who's our intern and, and we process this and if everyone agrees, you get help financially. So that is where your money will be going to and if you need help financially, you can get these down there. While we are... Um, so hoy vamos a hacer la práctica de lavar los pies. ¿Por qué hacemos eso? Es para servir a otras personas en la iglesia. Eh, junto con eso, hacemos una colección especial. Esa colección eh, es lo que llamamos el mutual aid. Esa colección es para las personas en la iglesia que a veces vienen a pedir ayuda, por ejemplo, con sus biles, que alguien le robó su bicicleta, necesitó otra bicicleta. En este caso, personas en, en esta situación vienen, este, aquí están los formatos de mutual aid. Esas personas pueden llenar el formato y entregar el formato a uno de los ancianos. Por ejemplo, uh, Anna Ruth es una anciana, Leo es anciano, uno de los pastores, por ejemplo. Y lo que hacemos es procesar esta pedida. So, el dinero que están dando hoy en las canastas cuando salimos para hacer los foot washing eh, es para estas situaciones, para personas necesitadas en la iglesia. So when we go down today, we're not doing this, we're not washing each other's feet to be cool. We're washing each other's feet to be disciples um, because it's what Jesus taught us to be, to be servants. I just wanted to give a few instructions. When you go downstairs, uh, the women will be meeting closest to the window and the men will be meeting closest to the wall. So, ahora como poco de logística, vamos a todos bajarnos aquí para hacer el foot washing, que es una práctica no para como ser muy chido, ¿no? sino para ser discípulos. Entonces, las mujeres se van a reunir en el círculo más cerca a las ventanas y los hombres más cerca acá. Hay dos círculos en el fellowship hall. If there's a specific person whose feet you want to wash, you should make sure to sit beside them. And if you don't want your feet washed, you can put your hands out and your hands will be washed. So, si hay una persona, por ejemplo, que, que, que tú dices, yo quiero lavar los pies de esa persona, eh, les pedimos que te sientes al lado de esa persona en el círculo. Y si, por ejemplo, no quieres que la persona te lave los pies, tú puedes poner las manos y la persona te puede lavar las manos en vez de los pies. And I think there's going to be a song while we're down there. Is that correct? Ascending him. Y después de foot washing, vamos a hacer una canción. So no vamos a regresar acá, nos quedamos ahí para la benedicción y la canción. Entonces ahora eh, que colecten las cosas que tienen y vamos a bajar para eso. So take everything with you and I would invite you to stand and make your way out.